Hello, Dave Morris. How are you? Hey, Jason Gary. I'm doing really good. I'm doing great. That's yeah. good, my man. That's good. Hey, we just had a, a lovely conversation with Vinnie Francois. Vinnie Francois, yeah, de, Mon de Montreal, of Montreal. Yeah. Of Montreal. Uh, he's a longtime friend of yours. I've uh, uh, We've moved in the same circles for ages. I've met him once. We talk about that in the podcast. Yeah. Uh, and, and we don't uh, talk about how I met Vinnie because you know what? I honestly don't remember how I met Vinnie. That's right. the funny. Like I've known him of, him of him and him for so long, and I'm sure he doesn't remember how he met me either, <laughs> but it was either in Montreal or Vancouver or both at right. the same time. And uh, so how long have you guys been uh, friends slash colleagues? At least 15, 20 years. That's, That's great. Somewhere, somewhere in that window. I just don't know the actual date. <laughs> yeah, Vinny, Unlike you and me, where I can remember the moment. The we exact that. moment. Where eyes met across the room. We're like, this guy. <laughs> He's one of us. Yeah, one of us. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's a wonderful conversation. And it does have that uh, the... Uh, two parts there's like the first part which is more craft focused and then the second part which is where we get into the deep like artsy stuff yeah that. yeah we get really deep philosophical questions and we we talk about the difference between art and craft and so i really like the fact that this uh podcast is mm -hmm. kind of laid out in those two uh sections as well so we hope you enjoy our conversation with vinnie francois thanks again for tuning in if you have any friends who are interested in improv or the craft please do us a favor and tell them about the podcast link it on your socials we don't often do promo like this on the on the on the podcast <laughs> yeah, yeah. but we should, uh, we should do <laughs> yeah it we should probably do it so uh yeah if you enjoy the podcast please tell a friend if you're an improviser share it with your uh team your groups uh things like that uh we'd love to grow our audience a little so um yeah give it a share give it a like uh all of those kind of things and uh a rate on iTunes, if that still happens, does it still happen? I don't know. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It so, uh, yeah, do that. And uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Hello, bonjour, Vinnie Francois. Hello, Hi. hello. Hi, Jason. Hi, Dave. Bonjour. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. It's great to, to see you, boss. Yeah, good to see you too, man. Yeah, thanks thank for coming on the, the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you bet. You bet. Yeah, um, and you are uh, you're in Montreal, where it's uh, like it's it's late right now compared to yeah yeah it's 10 p.m. here um, and yeah. it's cold it's cold oh. and you're drinking you're drinking water I'm drinking a nice chilled yeah. water I'm drinking coffee Jason what are you drinking <laughs> yeah uh, what are you drinking, Jason? I'm I'm on Pepsi Max at the moment it is Ooh. a sunny 27 degrees here oh my uh, in Melbourne uh, heading for a hot weekend it's a Saturday afternoon and uh, it's only going to get hotter tomorrow I think we're looking at low 30s tomorrow so. We are uh, burning into summer right now. It's upsetting me. Oh, uh, yeah. It's upsetting me. It's it was and, a high of five <laughs> degrees today. With a, wow. It's going down to like minus five. Oh, uh, shit. It's going to get worse because it's Montreal. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. This is, a <laughs> this is a nice part of the winter for sure. Yeah. That's as cold as it gets over here on the West Coast. Uh, but before we fall entirely into talking about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's favorite. Um, thanks for coming on. And uh, you, you, Jason, met in Victoria, I mm -hmm. believe. Which That's is right. Kind of yeah. like a funny when, when I was talking with Jason about it. He's like, yeah, we met in Victoria. Yeah. Uh, 
the board game cafe. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, Vinny and, and I the- have never improvised together. We've moved in nope. several similar circles, and I've heard his name yep. all over the place, and <laughs> and uh, knew that we'd get along just through the people who we knew and uh, had performed mm-hmm. with and stuff. And uh, and then one one evening, you're like, "Oh, Vinny's coming over for a board game." I'm like, "I've never met Vinny. This is great." <laughs> so yeah. we played a board. We played some board games together. I think we played a Jane Austen card game. Of, yeah, marrying uh, Mister Darcy. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not sure what else we played that night and it was a lovely evening and, and that was that we didn't get a chance to improvise yet yet yeah. let's, yet. Get, let's yet. keep it at it yet and you've it's been fun. in melbourne too haven't you Vinny? you've been i you've have been, you've been yeah. here and worked with Impro melbourne but i was away at the time yeah you were out of town <laughs> uh, well you just have to come to montreal when i'm out of town to balance <laughs> i would love yeah, to were good. and i think that was your first time in canada jason uh yes yeah yes. oh wow yeah. really and so, like, it gives a really false impression of Canada to think that, like, oh, well, Vinny, yeah, Vinny from Montreal just happens to be in town. I think yeah. it's just like a, a quick little I, I wander from town to town <laughs> visiting improvisers, like the littlest hobo. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's just so funny. Because, uh, yeah, we all play board games, which I think yeah. is neat. Oh, yeah, nice good time. And actually, I was so I was thinking about this earlier today because I knew Vinny was our guest because uh, we all love board games. Do you think there's something about board games that makes someone a better improviser if they like board games? <laughs> or or maybe not if you like board games, you're then therefore a better improviser. But that's not what I mean for people out there. But is there something inherent in board game playing and improv that kind of like connect? Like, is there a reason improvisers and board gamers? I Yeah, I think there is. And I think it's uh, a sense of play, mm-hmm. uh, a sense of... of playing with and against someone because mm-hmm. even because you know like in improv we talk about the second show where you're doing your show you're playing your character but also the performers and the audience is interacting and so there's that second level of show and so even when you're playing a board game and you're playing a confrontational board game i'm also interacting with my friends and so it's not just like i'm out to defeat my friends we're also like learning about mm-hmm. each other and figuring out how to delight and be mischievous with each other and i think mm-hmm. that's something that both board games and improv have in common totally there's a um i was talking with a guy who had like a phd in board games which apparently is a thing you can do wow. yeah in, a friend of mine uh yeah has a phd works at sydney uni does that that stuff yeah, yeah. in board game stuff and he was talking so he, he did a workshop in winnipeg at the improv festival one year we did werewolf as a show mm-hmm. and so we got this board game expert in to teach us about board game stuff which i was like yes please yeah. um, and one thing he said that i'd never actually put into words was the idea of like the circle of of the game like the the circle of of, uh, uh, what do you call it? He had a better word for it. I'm, I'm, you can Google it. But uh, the circle, the the circle of the game, where like when you're in the game, in this game, we hate each other, and I'm trying to beat you, and I'm trying to win as much as possible. I'm going to do things that are really mean to win, but that all exists only in the game. And then outside of the game, we're all friends and we love each other and we stay friendly. And you don't want to cross the 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 boundary, right? You don't want to yeah. bring like your personal feelings into the game. Right. Where last time we played this game, you did this, so I'm not going to trade sheep with you. Uh, right. Where you now you're bringing in like the personal history. You want to leave that outside of the circle, so that the circle inside it is the, the game. 
Yeah, I've been playing some games online with improvisers and uh, we've been playing on Tabletop Simulator and uh, a couple of them uh, had beef from the last game of Star Wars Outer Rim that we played because (laughs) (laughs) because one of them killed Chewbacca and and they were hand solo and they brought it into the next game and it was the worst experience. The two Mm. players, one of them ended up leaving, like just like having a total tanty and going like... And he flipped was, the table. Flip the table. It, it was he tried, but I I was a host, so he couldn't. <laughs> but I was like, oh well. But yeah, they were just like he was like, come on, give me a break. He's like, no, nah, man, you killed Chewbacca. And he's like, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hard to let go. <laughs> yeah, I had a friend who did that in Catan. If you ever took the longest road, he would just spend the whole game making sure you oh. lost, <laughs> and you'd be like, come on, man, that's not how the game. <laughs> But I think it's relevant to improvising, this idea that, like, you know, in the scene, uh, we hate each other, but outside the scene, we love each other. Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. I think Vinny's right on it there with uh, play. And that sense of mischief as well, I think, uh, come comes up because you can have those pokes and prods at each other and be like, oh, yeah, you know, I've got this or or fuck you with with uh, with this little move. There you go. Take yeah. that kind of stuff. and. And I don't mind a bit of, t- like, take that improv as well when I'm in a scene with someone. Like, I like to feel like I'm I'm getting, uh, uh, you know, prodded like that from someone, like, where they're trying to, to, to you know, prickle you or your character um, in, in a way that gets a rise or, or um, that, that, you know, is trying to get something new out of them. Uh, in the context of that greater relationship of these characters love each other, so they're not going to storm out of the room. <laughs> they're just going to deal with the crap that they're getting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I really enjoy it when, you know, I'm, <laughs> improvisers love to put one another on the spot, mm-hmm. you know, like, Oh, what about that poem you wrote? And then like someone has to, <clears throat> sorry, uh, you know, we, uh, someone asked someone, what about that poem you wrote? And then they suddenly have to, you know, recite a poem or a song and you know, the other person hates doing it. And then everyone gets a mm-hmm. rise out of the fact that that improviser is being put on the spot. And yeah. so you're, you're causing them grief, uh, but you know secretly inside they delight in in that. Hopefully, they delight mm. in it. Well, yeah, and I would say I, I think that's still in the circle because I think like the circle is like the show. Like when the show starts, like or or like when, once we're in the show, everything that happens in the show is part of that like that circle where we're in there. We might mess with each other a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I might do a whole scene that's all about making Jason uncomfortable, like not the character but the person. Right. And he knows that I'm doing that because it makes a better show. Right. For the audience. So like after the show's over, he's not going to be like, I can't believe you did that to me. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be like, that was fun how you did that to me. Right. And that, that idea of like leaving it in the, in the circle of the scene yeah. of the, of the show. Absolutely. And then outside the show, we can do whatever we want, but, uh, or like, yeah, don't take it personal. Don't take it with you. Yeah. And I like that, that, that sometimes that, that does go onto stage with you next time with that person where you're like, mm-hmm. it's a different situation and a different scene, but you've still got that, that gamesmanship or gamespersonship mm-hmm. in there, um, where you're still going, well, I remember what happened last time. So I, I, uh, in terms of like, if you were playing a board game, it'd be like, I know how you play this game. So I'm going to expect that. Oh, yeah, so you've got right. to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to counter you with something that you're not going to expect so you start getting people's rhythms of how they they play and uh and you can come back at them in a way that's going to surprise them uh flank them if you will <laughs> in board game parlance because <laughs> you know there's you know their strategies you yeah know yeah 
Yeah, and I know how you Vinny, play. Vinny so. loves the longest road. He loves <laughs> it. I, I need to have it. That's, I'm that's just the simple truth. If I do this, he won't be able to get it, and then he's going to hate it the whole that's game. It. He's going to lose. Yeah. I'm just trading for wooden brick the whole rest of the way. <laughs> I yeah. don't care if he gets that city. I need that longest road. Yeah, I'm, on a, I'm on a wood board. I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, cool. So uh, uh, we could talk about board games forever, I guess. We could talk about board games <laughs> We should pivot this podcast. Let's yeah, pivot. This is a board game podcast. It's a podcast now, we right? can talk so, about whatever we I've want. I've been playing Terraforming Mars lately. Um, nice. uh, okay, serious question though. Uh, so uh, Montreal Improv, and we've already told everyone about who you are. Like we did a mm-hmm. pre-intro. Uh, Montreal Improv, which you were a founder of and director of, director, yes, artistic yes. director. I was the general manager. General, uh, manager. but I was also yeah, I had also been on the board of directors. You've done everything. Uh, it recently uh, had to shut down due to the pandemic. Correct. Did you want to talk about that? Yeah. <laughs> if you don't, we no, can just no. we can just move. If it's no, a no, no. Spot. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a. It's not a. It's sad. It's yeah. Sort of sad. Yeah. But it's we've been because we've been talking about like all the the companies that are shutting down. Like Second City's gone. Mm-hmm. Like UCB. It was shut in New York. Was, oh, it's so it's just left and right. I mean. I I mean, I've talked to other improvisers about uh, the idea of an improv bubble, that maybe the too much improv has been going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, a lot of it had been built on, and, and Montreal Improv to some extent had been built on a lot of uh, donated labor uh, and a lot of uh, volunteer. And I, I think that's kind of what made the community work uh, mm-hmm. to some extent, uh, mm-hmm. is that everyone has a passion for uh, that their clubhouse uh, and is willing to kind of go the extra mile. Uh, but I don't think it's sustainable in the long run. And I think what has happened is that if you don't have a sustainable model and if you don't have a flexible, and there's so many factors that go into it, uh, but if you don't have that flexibility, it's really hard to go to keep going through this huge upheaval that the COVID has knocked pretty much every industry on its butt. Uh, And so, so for us, uh, ultimately what did us in was that we just couldn't come to an arrangement with a landlord that would see us financially through. And so we had to file for bankruptcy. Yeah. Yeah, Like I was imagining, because I ran a studio here in Victoria until they tore it down. Uh, And I was like, if I had that studio right now, and the pandemic hit that would like i'd be done like that might even bankrupt oh, financially devastating it's right? just mm-hmm. impossible like it's just it's just too much even with support from the government i'm like i don't know like maybe i could make it through and lose everything i own but keep a studio <laughs> but that doesn't seem like a good trade <laughs> no um, what do you have now nothing but this nothing. big room <laughs> can't even i had to sell my computer for last month's right um <laughs> So yeah, I can I can see it. So like how devastating that is, especially because so much income comes from classes and shows. Like people. Oh yeah, that was that was it. We our income went down to pretty much zero. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah. I don't know, Jason. What was the state like in Australia? Uh, It's been uh, Melbourne's been on a a strict lockdown uh, uh, up until about a month and a half ago, Uh, and uh, since then uh, we we went from seven hundred cases a day down to zero cases a day, and we've had uh, forty days of no cases now. Incredible. So uh, things are starting to open up here, which is kind of weird at the moment. You know, the people are booking shows and with the proviso that if if there's an outbreak um we might have to change and cancel it venues are allowed to have a certain capacity and and so on but a lot of the improv venues are small 
um, just by necessity or, and, uh, you know, they're one room venues pretty much. They've got a bar out the front and then a theater. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, even with that, uh, with the reduced capacity, they're still not going to be operating at, um, uh, at, you know, full strings, yeah, but, <laughs> but at least they've started classes again. There's, they're starting to book shows, you know, as I've started filling in availabilities for shows in January, which is just, you know, weird. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and all, all it'll take is, a, a you know, if it gets out again, um, then, you know, things, things will, will, the breaks will go on quickly, but the theaters themselves, um, have had a bit of government support. Um, That's we, great. we all got on, uh, things called job, job keepers here. So if you were earning a certain amount of money, say working for a theater school or something like that, then there was assistance to keep your employees paid and stuff like that. So you didn't have to worry about, uh, that and you could focus on, on paying your rent and things like that. So, uh, yeah, the government here stepped up both federal and, and local, uh, which has been good and allowed people once once the once the lockdowns have come off to pretty much start running classes and stuff again right away. So of course, as soon as the lockdown went, like everyone was posting online, "Come on, classes again, let's go, let's go." And I think there's still a bit of tentative energy. I think people still aren't used to being around each other and they mm -hmm. want to be careful. But it's good to see some stuff kind of kicking on and 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 happening. And I think. Um, here in Melbourne, at least, there was only one th one improv company that had uh, uh, like was signed into Spaces. All the other improv companies use uh, you know higher spaces or, or or use temporary spaces and things like that. So, uh, and uh, luckily, that company has seems to have pulled through um, the worst of it, which is good. That's great. Yeah, yeah, but hard hard yards for all. <sighs> I can yeah. only imagine. Yeah, yeah, like you because you. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I know. I was just gonna say it's it's great to hear, and uh, and it's great to hear that you know that governments are supporting that, and yeah, and we had support too. Uh, it just ended up being one one bridge too far, and and, yeah. and it felt it felt like it came at a really crappy time because we had just like created a new board of directors, and they had just come on, uh, and uh we were we were about to make some really big changes, and then this hit and just tanked the the whole. Steam out of it mm. all, yeah. Like, because you you founded Montreal Improv, co-founded, yes. Twelve twelve years ago. Twelve Maybe. years ago, yeah. Was I right? Ooh, nice. I was like ten. I was like, wait, no, add two. Twelve. <laughs> um, twelve years ago, and I remember when that happened because it was a very exciting moment. In because I knew of you and improv improvisers in Montreal, and it was sort of like this. It from my perspective from the West Coast, it felt like. Someone was like, all right, that's it. We're doing it. Everyone come together. We're building a, a, a theater in Montreal to make improv's home. Because before then, improv had been kind of scattered, right? Like throughout comedy clubs and yeah, with, yeah, without a net, that's right. uh, which I remember. That was you. That's us, yeah. Without and then it was On the Spot. Which on the Spot were, players, yeah. So yeah, the On the Spot uh, gang in Montreal. So I got... So I, Let's go all the way back to. Let's go all the way back. To you were six Vinny. years old. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> your father was telling you a story <laughs> ancient Greece. That's right. Okay. Uh, I I was doing improv at McGill University as part of a club, uh, the improv club there, and that was great. And then one of the guys in the club did stand up, and he found out. So there was only one other improv troupe in Montreal called On the Spot, and they were doing weekly shows at the comedy. Uh, nest 
nope, the comedy works. Sorry, we were comedy at the comedy. Works, yeah. So the comedy nest invited us to be their improv troupe. So there was on the spot at comedy works, and then the comedy nest had without a net. So comedy clubs with silly pun names for improv troops. Yeah. The yeah. Classic <laughs> that up, right? That's how that's how all improv starts, actually. All- <laughs> and so we did we did a bunch of short form in, in the comedy clubs and it was fun. We did, I did that for like 10 years. We did like three fringe shows. It was great. And then um Theater St. Catherine came along. Uh, um mm. we started, opened up by someone who came out of Loose Moose Theater uh, out of Calgary and came to Montreal and opened up a space and started going there and, and learning a bunch and playing out a bunch and it was great to have like a clubhouse like the first real that was the first real improv space uh, yeah. in Montreal. And so Theater St. Catherine did like a, a great job of kind of fostering that community. Uh and then it reached a point where it was like okay, uh I I feel like we can strike out on our own and do, you know, because uh, they they it felt a little unstructured, and I'm a very structured person, and so I like organization and I like systems, uh, which is also and why board, I like games. board games. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, so I like play within a system. Give me uh, rules and 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 let set me free. I'm I think yeah, I happy. think that's another uh, another string to the improvisers. Why improvisers oh, love board game totally. bow. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't believe we didn't even mention that rules. We like yeah. rules. We do we like, like a rules. set of rules we can play inside of. And learn a rule of rules quickly. Like give me a bunch of rules and then I'll yeah. play something. And then yeah. And then there are people who approach improv in the same as like, what do I do to make a good scene? All right, I follow all these rules and now yeah. I will do a good scene. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't quite work that Not way. quite. Nah. <laughs> That's the tactics and strategy part of yeah. Anyway, okay, let's yeah. stop this metaphor. Go. Keep going. Your history. So, yeah, we should <laughs> I'm on curious, we just, be- just before we get back in, I'm go. curious as a, a little aside, what, what's your favorite uh, a team name that you've been a part of uh, in uh improv like with oh, a silly man. pun yeah with a silly pun uh my was, i mean without uh, a net was the yeah the original one and i have a lot of sentimental <laughs> memories with i'm friends with where's, where's the net where's the net where's it without a net we're here I'm, without it so many people did not get the joke in it until we said it out loud and then they're like oh uh, my favorite one uh from uh my history is calamity wine um, that's a good and, one. And it, yeah, there were the, the three of us, uh, Rick Brown, uh, Carl McConnell, and myself, um, uh, as Calamity Wayne, which is mm-hmm. which was a theater sports team name that kind of just became <laughs> our, our brand, really, for, for a while. <laughs> it kind of followed us out of theater sports, which was fun. I always liked the Laffy Giraffe joke. That was my favorite one. It was, <laughs> a, a I, think one. It was a, I think it was an Alistair Cook joke once upon a time. And then we it came to Seattle, and then we started playing. Laffy Giraffe, which is all these, all the worst parts of improv. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you take an animal and rhyme it with something like loose <laughs> moose, Laffy Giraffe. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Get back in. Dip it back, back in. Again. Back in. <laughs> right, I'm digging back in. Uh, what was I? Oh, yeah. So we, we struck off. Um, so uh, myself uh, and Mark Rowland, who also uh, mm-hmm. was in Without a Net with me, uh, we started teaching classes around town. Um, and we were renting places and kind of getting jerked around by having the places that we'd book be like, oh, you know, we need your pl- we need to to kick you out to reschedule your booking because someone's booking the whole day. And we're like, we have a contract, like we're doing it anyways, because we need the money. Bye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we're just like, oh, this is we need to get out of this as soon as we can. Uh, and so we just had enough money set up and then we found we looked for months to find a suitable space until we finally did uh and then we found one and so this would be 
2010, I think. Uh, we brought on board two other people, uh, Kirsten Rasmussen, uh, who mm-hmm. comes out of Rapid Fire and she's had moved to Montreal. Amazing. She's, she's amazing. She's, she's so incredible. She's, she's the best. She's one of my favorites. I don't know if you've met her, Jason, but you'd love her. Not. She's the best. She's so good. Yeah. You're missing out, Jason, really. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll get there. I'll just, I'm just yeah. waiting for you to leave Montreal, Vinny. That's, <laughs> that's right. Okay, I'm, I'm gone. Well, she's in Toronto now. So <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Good, cool, cool. And so there was myself, Mark Roland, Kirsten Rasmussen, and and Brian Walsh, who was also in with that man. So it was our, uh, us four, because uh, we knew that two people wasn't going to cut cut it. Uh, and so we rented a small space, uh, which Dave had seen uh, many times. I love it. Uh, it was a great little space. Uh, enough to seat like 35, 40, and 50 if you really right, want to crowd right. people in. Um, and then, so Kirsten was living in the apartment that was behind it because we didn't want anyone else to rent that space out. Uh, and so that we'd have like a neighbor that would bother us running stuff. Uh, then eventually, Which I think Kir- I've also stayed in that apartment. You have indeed stayed in that the apartment. Theater. Yeah, it's great. Oh, I it was great. To, we hosted so many people back great then. Great spot yeah. near that poutine place. Oh, I guess yeah. everything is near the poutine place. <laughs> There's always some, you're always near poutine in Montreal. That's probably, I should get that shirt made. Yeah, you're always somewhere. Yeah. Like Starbucks and Vancouver. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we started that, and then it kept growing, and and yeah, until until this summer. Uh, well, we then you Vancouver. opened a second space at one point, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. At yeah. a certain point, we like we grew to the point where like that apartment. Kirsten moved out. That apartment became more classrooms, and then we had to get a second space to hold more shows because we'd grown to that point. Mm-hmm. And so that was like a seventy-five seater, and that was really nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was it was really sad to have to say to goodbye to all that. Bye. But there is a coda in that uh, from the bankruptcy, someone bought the name uh, and, and social media accounts and logo uh, and is reopening Montreal Improv oh. as Montreal Improv. And it's not you. It's somebody it's else. It's not me. No, I'm not. I'm 0% involved. And uh, did some Montreal Improv like sold all this stuff to? Well, we didn't. We fought, we folded into bankruptcy. When you go into bankruptcy, the trustee lawyer takes control of everything. And it's basically someone asked like, hey, can I buy it? Uh, and wow. they, they ended up with the rights for it. And Who's going to do it? Do you know? Do you know who Yeah, it is? yeah, yeah. It's oh, okay. uh, this guy okay. from the community, Nero, um, who was a great you know, performer and, and, yeah. and a, a businessman and, and has taken it over. Uh, so we had initially founded Montreal Improv as a nonprofit. And so he's made it as like a for-profit entity, right. um, cool. which I think has a lot of advantages. Uh, sure. He's brought on some great people. Um, and, you know, I, it's great for the community that there's that clubhouse can still live still on. Still go on, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow, cool. That's that's kind of, that's amazing. Yeah, I was like opening an improv theater. Hmm, that sounds like a good business. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> yeah. thought that and then followed through on it. I mean, I did that. I thought that too. Wow. Nice. Uh, but yeah, so, and then also from like the, I was about to say from the ashes, which makes it sound like it's burned to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But after that, you've, you've now moved on, like you're doing a bunch of online stuff right now. Uh, so Which yeah, I, so, so tell me about this because like Jason and I talk about this a bunch on this podcast: teaching online, performing right. online. Do we like it? Do we not like it? It's like what, I'm gonna, what, well, yeah, I'm gonna want to hear your opinions on that because yeah, uh, yeah. But like, how are you? That. What are you doing right now? You're doing this thing. Um, yeah, so improv college, improv college, yeah, at improvcollege.ca. Yeah. Um, basically, uh, last year I started thinking about like, wow, what do people do? when they don't live in a city 
that has an improv theater, you know, that they have to travel into places. Like, what if you, so people just can't do it. Yeah. Uh, I was like, what if we gave classes online? And so last, I think last October, I started planning for online classes. Like before the pandemic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> like, I had fully, before even the first case at Canada, I had recorded a promo video with a friend of mine <laughs> to teach online classes to, to people. I had like set it up as like a Patreon where people could subscribe to things at different levels. Yeah. yeah. And I had this whole system and it was, I was like, is this going to work? Is this a good model? I don't know. Uh, and then when the, the pandemic hit, I was like, well, okay, let's try and keep this theater alive. And so like us and the board of directors just like spent hours trying to figure a way out. And when we didn't, we had to fold. I was like, okay, well now what do I do? Um, And right up until that point, I was super uninterested in teaching online improv, incredibly Mm -hmm. uninterested in it um, personally. Um, And it turns out that I was like, all right, well now I don't have a choice. I gotta, I gotta see what this is about because I can't not do improv. That's not, that's not in my DNA, I can't do it. So I started dipping my toes into joining online shows and communities and meeting people and, and then trying to see like, is anyone interested in the online class? And it turns out people are. Mm-hmm. So there's like a group of people who want that, especially during a lockdown where you can't see people and you want to yeah, connect yeah. with people and you want to do that thing that you love. And so, you know, a lot of people, you know, jokingly call it the methadone of improv. Um, <laughs> so you kind of like get your fix, um, which I get, I get that. Yeah. Uh, but I think the more I do, can we call it like coffee? It. It's just like coffee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. like you just need it. Otherwise you have a headache, like the first coffee of the day. Kind of can we call it? methadone is pretty intense. Oh, it's my, it's my, it's my crack. It's, it's just it's crack. My, it's, it's just my a little ice. Yeah. It's my blue eyes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, with a Heisenberg of improv. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah. So I started uh, giving online classes, um, and first I started improv college just as my own space to be like, all right, well, this is what I'll, you know, if people want to find me, this is where I am. And then as I started plugging into more and more communities online and finding more and more pockets of these wonderful improvisers who are kind of gathering all over the place, mm-hmm. and and taking classes and and giving classes with other. Um, companies, I, I just like, oh, there's a lot here that's actually really great. And there's a ton of advantages that online improv that I think like in-person improv is not going to be able to match. And, and mm-hmm. one of them is that global connectivity. And yeah. so I kind of shifted it into a place uh, where I ca- I'm starting to call it a place where uh, great teachers can find great students basically from around the world. And if you're really into improv and you want to take a class with a teacher that you may not be able to have access to otherwise, uh, this is the place to do it. And it's for intermediate to experienced players. We don't really teach improv, intro improv classes. Cause I think that those people can find, there's a million places to get those online mm-hmm. and I think they're well served. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to make something that speaks to people who have uh, a little bit of improv experience or a lot of improv experience. I want to try something new, meet new people. Uh, and it so far, so good i think people have responded cool Sweet. yeah and it's going well it's going well like people are taking classes it's working yeah yeah, people are yeah. laughing yeah like because i've been doing some of my classes online now uh and i'm trying to do like i'm trying to do it mostly to keep the local community still mm-hmm. connected with each other and stuff absolutely um and uh but what i've done is 
taken the opportunity of the internet to like invite guest teachers to come in and teach exactly, my students. Yeah. So it's like getting people to come in and do a month with my master class from, you know, I had Damika Parker come in from Poland I love Domeka. do a month of classes. So it was like this cool, like, it, it's like a silver lining on the fact that we can't see each other in person. Absolutely. That you still get this nice thing. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't call it the methadone. I call <laughs> it like a snack. Like, a snack, like maybe an apple or something. <laughs> and I, I don't even meal. call it that. Like I wouldn't even call it that. I think it's its own thing now. I think it really has been around a little bit. And and, and one of the great things is that we're all figuring it out. It feels like brand yeah. new territory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for everyone, t- students and teachers alike. Uh, and I, I have no idea what's possible or not possible. And that mm-hmm. kind of excites me. Yeah. No, I made a prediction before, right, right, right when the pandemic hit, I was like, told Missy, my wife, uh, for those who don't know, told her, it's like, I think this is going to be, this pandemic is going to let the internet sort of come into itself. Because everyone mm-hmm. thinks the internet is this thing that's settled already. And I think like, no, no, it's just the beginning of the internet and the pandemic is going to really help it find the next wave. Uh, and I think what you're doing with improv college is one of those things where it's like, wow, a completely online improv school and it's working. Interesting. Maybe that's going to keep going after this. And like the fact that now people are so comfortable doing video calls, like, I can't remember before the pandemic when yeah, you yeah. call. No. You try you'd only do like one video call a year yeah. with your mom or something. If you uh, had to. Holiday, if you had to, you'd probably do a, vo- a voice call anyway because it was easier. But now everyone's so comfortable with it that after the pandemic, it's gonna be like, Hey, you guys want to zoom and play a board game? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Even um, though you have other friends too, but you'll also stay connected with those online friends. <laughs> and so many times I've had this conversation with friends, it's like we could have done this before, we just never did. Is that yeah. what happened here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we just hadn't got used to it. But like now, now that I'm used to it, I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to go back to playing D and D at a table. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's so much easier over the internet. You have yeah. like oh, everyone has their own space. Like it's great. <laughs> <laughs> you don't uh, have to share your dip. You, yeah, it's my, no, you know, it's my dip. Your dip's on your side of the world, and on my side of the world is my dip. <laughs> you can't judge me for how much dip I put. Oh, just exactly. take the half of it. Just you can double dip. You can double dip your, all your head off. Oh, you want? I'm not going to be like, hey, Jason, did you eat all of those Tostitos that you had? (laughs) You ate all of your Tostitos that I can't touch. Yeah, Um, yeah. So it's it's great that that's working, and you're doing a similar, um, not similar, very much more extravagant than I'm doing. But you are bringing in teachers from everywhere, like like you have teachers from all around the world teaching on Improv College. Yeah, and so kind of the policy that I have is to just do four week classes to kind of keep it bite sized, um, and because people are trying it for the first time, and you know who's going to commit to two months of this? You don't know if you're yeah. going to like it, um, and so yeah, we just launched our January classes, and there's like a dozen of them, and we have teachers from the Philippines, from India, from the USA, from the UK, from Estonia, from Canada, um, yeah, and you know I'm gonna I'm still talking to more people, and every month we're going to keep changing up the roster and adding so and cool. subtracting yeah that's amazing i think i think there's a huge opportunity here to kind of connect what had previously been these isolated pockets of people mm-hmm. uh not only in within improv communities that existed uh, like say in, in a town that has an improv community but also connecting people who couldn't find an improv community and people who could not find you know had gone to new york city took a class and had to go back to their hometown i think mm-hmm. there's going to be yeah. A whole bunch more people who can find their way now to 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 improv. Can I hit you with an interesting question? I would hate it if you did that. But maybe fine. maybe it's it's going to put us into some controversy here. That's fine. <laughs> um, 
because uh, I've been thinking about this a lot, is this, especially now that everyone's online, everyone's online. Yes. Right? Um, and there's like still improv communities that are exist in this like geographic region mm-hmm. that is means nothing mostly like nowadays it means nothing sure. except for time zones but like there's there's like the geographic reason uh regions and people have different facebook groups for different regions uh and would you i'm gonna ask you this would, i'll put it this way would you go to like the vancouver improv community and post advertisements and promotions for your improv college or would you feel bad crashing their community trying to pull their students to your thing and not let the local vancouver improv companies that are doing online stuff right. do online stuff does that make I, sense it's like yeah a, i totally get that question because i actually had to ask myself that question well so so have i i think so is everyone who's been teaching online we're yeah, like yeah. do i go post it in the toronto yeah. community boards i don't know if i should uh and like I, i'm interested where you came down on that i think i know the answer but where let's let's discuss uh, so I tr- I tried it. Uh, I've done it. I've posted to some uh, regional uh, community boards, um, and I, with the caveat saying like, please take this down if you know if yeah. this feels like it's unwelcome. Um, it hasn't happened. I, d- I don't do it anymore. I did initially, yeah. um, and when it happened, I did not get any overt backlash. I didn't hear mm-hmm. anything. Uh, who knows what people were saying. Uh, mm-hmm outside of that who knows if anyone even saw it like yeah sure i mean it feels it, you know <laughs> advertising and promoting an improv class so it could sometimes feel like shouting into a black hole <laughs> uh, just information never to escape again um but uh yeah i think i mean i think one everyone has to make that decision for them i don't think there's clear clean cut answer to say yes you can no you can't uh i think you have to do it very judiciously and you have to also be very ready to be like kicked out and say goodbye uh, and that's and i think that's 100 percent fair um mm-hmm. to those because uh those so those a lot of those local communities built up that community uh and and put the time and effort and energy into connecting those people uh and so it does feel like you're coming into someone else's party and you have to hopefully make yourself welcome enough to not be ejected yeah yeah sure yeah, yeah. Uh, it can get pretty standoffish in some of those uh, local kind of groups or or, uh, or or things like that where people kind of stick their flag in the ground and they're just they're just like, no, you can't do that here. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <clears throat> but I think if you go in and uh, are as open as possible and and as you're saying, like start starting with a caveat of if this is in the wrong place, please tell me where it should be. Um, mm-hmm. Then 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 that's fine. But yeah, I've seen some spats backwards and forwards on space on Facebook where I've just been like, guys, come on, just settle down. Everyone just take a breath. Yeah. Like I came down on the not to do it. Like I posted on my Facebook and my Twitter and I put it out to my networks, but I don't go into other groups and, and try and encourage people to come to my classes. That's fair. Cause I feel weird about it. And I feel like, cause like I was thinking like, how would I feel if someone did that? to me mm-hmm. like because i i run the or I'm, I'm a administrator on the improv victoria facebook group, sure. which is not worth trying to advertise to anyway Vinny, if you're trying to it's a pretty small like not a pretty quiet facebook group um but uh when people go into that group to post things that don't relate to improv 
Like when someone goes in and they're like, hey, we're doing this acting class or this sketch comedy class. Well, sketch, maybe I'd let slide. Um, but like we're I'm doing an uh, interpretive dance class and I wanted to post it here. I'd be like, okay, I can see how you think that connects. Right. That's really not what this group is for. And then I just remove the thing. right? Yeah. Uh, and it's just kind of like a like you're you're trying to promote your whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. and you're taking advantage of our community and so i put myself in that place of like if i was going into like the toronto improv community to promote my classes here in victoria does that feel like i'm take, just taking advantage of their community for and, sure. and and i was like i think it does so i stayed away from it and I, I i didn't i came down on the not to do it that way. totally fair decision yeah the and one like, thing that i've seen yeah. work in uh in groups like that is like people like allocating a, a day or an afternoon where you can plug random shit <laughs> like just like all right it's a tuesday afternoon it's right. it's a plug shit day you know go if yeah, you think sure. this might be of interest uh do it just so it's not popping up in the in the feed when people are there to see and that's or the read danger, about, right yeah, because yeah it would be infinite yeah 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 well, and I feel like there's a difference between like that that idea of like parachuting into someone else's community, to, yeah, right. To try and I don't know hijack everybody, but uh, <laughs> as opposed to someone in that community who's like like uh, who's like, oh, there's this cool improv college online thing. I should tell everyone in right, Toronto right. improv, yeah, yeah, sure. and then they go on and they post a link to your thing that way that doesn't feel bad at all that feels normal it feels right. like someone in the community found this great resource and is sharing it as opposed to like trying to get in there like and, and maybe it's the intention right like i think the way you're doing it like you said with uh putting a caveat like please take this down if this doesn't belong here but i just wanted to let everyone know about this cool thing that's perfectly polite and reasonable and respectful yeah yeah and i think there's a difference because i've noticed some people doing it in the non-respectful way and sure. i'm like oh someone should take that down <laughs> there's some people are just really aggressive about it you know and there's a there's a line in the in the that can be crossed right and then the yeah. attitude you can kind of feel yeah i i'm I, as someone who has had to make that decision, I am super, I'm like, I am walking on in someone else's backyard and I don't know if I'm welcome here. And that's the attitude I'm taking. Yeah. If I get, you know, the, the, the dogs out, then, you know, I, I came into their yard and anyway. I'd be upset with the yeah. dogs that shoot bees out of their mouth coming out. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, yeah. And, you know, and then you also come at it from that place of like, and if they remove it, I get it. Absolutely. And as a moderator of a space, I also get like, I, you know, I moderate yeah. the uh, improv um, uh, admin, theater admin, and festival admin Facebook group. Yeah. And people are promoting, you know, all sorts of local workshops. And yeah, like, yeah. Constantly. And you're like, and so come on, like, guys. That's, that's not what this it's is for. International. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that too, where it's like, hey, everyone, come see my improv show. It's like, why are you posting that in an international group about your local show? Like, this? Yeah. You're hoping one person is going to. They might see be that. traveling. <laughs> I'm going to text. I'm going to text my aunt who lives in you know wherever you are, in Kansas. Well, uh, that's why Jason came to Canada. So I must like. Yeah. <laughs> that is why. Um, cool. Yeah, I was just interested in that because that's something. I no, I think it's a great discussion. I think a lot of people are dealing with that. Those like because the lines between regions now, the lines between cities. Yeah, are, that's the arbit thing they're arbitrary. They're arbitrary. Yeah. Yeah, geography has been erased. Yeah, geography has been erased. But it is still like arbitrary, as in like it, we've intentionally drawn those. Like this, that <laughs> people have made those rules. Yeah, um, but it is arbitrary, and they can change. And so, are they changing? And I don't know. They are kind of, but I think there's still people holding out hope for like 
we're going to get back to normal. And when we get back to normal, I'd like our community to still be there. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's, I mean, that's one of the questions I've had to ask myself is when things go back to quote unquote normal is improv college, does there still a space for that? And I'm, yeah. I don't know. I'm hoping there is. Yeah. Um, but will is, I think there is, I, I, I believe there will be a small space for, I think these things will exist side by side. Yeah. yeah, well, I, I think because you set out to create something that was filling a gap pre-pandemic, then uh, that it's kind of come into its own in the middle of the pandemic, that gap is still going to be there when things shift back to, to classes. Those people still will want to connect if they're at a distance and, and things like that. And I think that if, if there's a culture around uh, learning online now, I think people will be less um, hesitant to jump into something like that. You know, and it may appeal to people more. Uh, like Dave, he can he can eat his corn chips and do an improv class at the same time, uh, rather than, rather than go out true. rather than go out and um and and be in the world. I know Normally Dave. Just... I can only eat those corn chips when I'm the one teaching. Uh, if I'm not teaching, everyone gets upset that I'm eating tortilla chips. Like, well, come on, what, what come on. Crunch, 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 crunch. It's but a yeah, character in front of your choice. Mic, in front of every, your microphone, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's every character choice. It's a making a choice. <laughs> He's hungry. My character's hungry. Vinny, yeah. Dave, and I are going to pitch a four-week course about eating tortilla chips on camera. To uh, that's to, all done. Uh, done. Yeah, I'm <laughs> the first student. I'm in. Yeah, how, how to eat tortilla chips in seven different characters? <laughs> seven different characters eating different seven different ways. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, but I mean, the question I had to ask myself is like, you know, what I have to imagine a world like after after the pandemic, or even uh -huh. like even if we return exactly to how it was pre pandemic, mm -hmm. what what is the function of a place like Improv College? And I think yeah. I think it is becoming like, oh, there is I think a need, or at least uh, hopefully a demand for access to teachers that you don't get to see otherwise. Yeah, for sure. For sure. sure, yeah, and uh, it's it's funny because like uh, I mean I've been teaching online and it's it's a, it's fine it works it mm -hmm. definitely works, and I'm getting more and more comfortable with it and so are my students and like sometimes you forget that it's an online class and everyone's just laughing and watching a scene, uh, and then sometimes you notice and you're like this is totally an online class because I am <laughs> fidgeting with some like I'm like I am looking at something on my screen that isn't this class and that that so there still is that pull. Um, and I think there's definitely still a space for it mm. because it does tackle some serious obstacles in the way of taking classes. Like you don't have to travel. That's huge yeah. for people. Like I've had people from like up Island, the North Island, because I'm on Vancouver Island for people who don't know geography and up Island who've never taken a paper street class just because they can't drive the three hours here. So they took it online and it was kind of like, we solved a huge problem. So yeah. that might, I think, I think there'll still be a place. Like I'm thinking too, I might still offer online classes after the yeah. pandemic. I think they'll sit outside by as side. like, yeah. as like a subsidy to the in-person classes for people who can't make it or for people who can't or and don't want to come. That as way. someone who grew up very, very far away from lots of great improv teachers, you know, we grew up in a, in a, in a real bubble here and we were lucky enough to get the likes of a few good experienced improvisers come and land in our, in our lap. And we were kind of figuring it out as we went along. So, uh, I've said this before on the, uh, on the podcast, we have, 
have, um, I think in Australia, we have this real lovely confluence of uh, British and American ideas that have kind of, we've taken a bit from here and a bit from there and kind of made it our own, which is why I think a lot of Australian improvisers are quite adaptable when they go to Europe or they go to uh, the the US and, and Canada in terms of play styles and stuff like that, because we we haven't kind of come up in one or, or t'other. And, um, but like growing up, so far away from from everything you know it's it's a 12 hour plan ride to get anywhere to do anything um uh in terms of working with international people like to have that readily on tap um even uh you know now i think is a really great opportunity for a lot of improvisers here in australia um so if you are uh listening here in australia do check out um vinnie's site and see if any of those teachers appeal to you and if you're listening here in Victoria, check out papershoottheatre.ca. Do it instead. No, I'm joking. <laughs> as well as. As well as. As well as. as, yeah. as, well as, as, well as. <laughs> but I, th- I think that's 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 the key. And I think there's so many. I think improv does it does remove the geographical boundary, but it also removes a ton of accessibility, yeah. physical accessibility issues too. The people who just couldn't otherwise, they just don't have the mobility mm-hmm. to, to access improv spaces. Now suddenly they're on an equal footing with everybody else. Have you found that add, it does add one extra barrier though, which, which is, is people who are incapable of using a computer properly because <laughs> there are quite a few of them who <clears throat> just yes. don't understand what a camera, uh, where their camera right. is, or how to mute a microphone. Yes, and they're learning. They're all getting better. Yes. They're all getting better, and I salute them. But there's, it's been some challenges watching some people adapt to the technical. Uh, I'm curious, Vinny. Have you had much uptake from uh, a differently abled people in um, in in the uh, college? Uh, n- not yet. Um, right. and I'm trying to change that. That's one mm-hmm. of the things that improv, so improv college also, we also have a policy of, <clears throat> um, and so we're trying to remove the financial accessibility because a lot of the people in these communities also have financial barriers too. Yep, it's yep. just they don't have the resources. And so we've also ha- added the policy of having each class has two spots guaranteed for scholarships right uh nice. and pay what or pay what you can from any equity seeking uh, community members mm-hmm. uh whatever community that might be and uh that's been successful in right. attracting people who would not have the resources and come from communities that would not be able to take a class and get great a great quality education and yeah uh, so for yeah. every teacher i've asked i've spoken to has agreed to this policy and so i think it's i think it's a great um sure. because now it's just show up to the class and learn improv and i think that's uh, amazing to yeah. be able to provide that yeah i think that's that's something else i hope sticks around a little is this idea of like asterisks if you can't afford it, just let us know and we'll yes. make it work. Like I've now just sort of included that at the end of all, like our, like we're doing a show next week and I'm like, and if you can't afford it, just, you know, send me an email and we'll get you in because there's space is almost yeah. infinite now. So there's, it's like, there's no limits. And there's, if you're willing to pay, thank you. And if you can't let me know and you don't have to pay. I don't, I, yeah. I don't, uh, yeah. So it's like, I think that's a policy that I hope sticks around, especially online learning stuff. Like, 
it mm. doesn't cost us anything extra. The overhead is so low compared yeah. to running a physical space. I mean, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Uh, it doesn't make sense oh, otherwise. Man, compared to running a physical space, <laughs> I pay for I pay for three pro Zoom accounts for three to me myself and two other people that teach with me, and it is so much cheaper <laughs> than <laughs> renting a space for a, a day. Yeah. Like I can rent yeah. like months worth of Zoom for a day. It's it's like, amazing. Oh man! It's I mean, my expenses are: I pay for a Shopify account to run the online store, and I pay for my Zoom account to teach classes. Uh, How great is that? Then, I, then everything else goes. Just about everything else goes to the teachers and, yeah, yeah. and me for running yeah. the thing, and that's it. I take a I take a percentage, and then the, I'm as much of it as I can. I go to the teacher and teach the class because that's the deal that? that I would want. So yeah, yeah. How great is that? So cool. Um, oh man, we're so like already getting close to the end here. Uh, <laughs> we'll just keep going. We'll just keep going. It's a double, double, double album. Yeah. Double album. It's almost midnight for you. Now. Um, uh, okay. I got another question. I'm going to, I'm going to pivot then. I'm just going to pivot into actual improv stuff now. Cause yeah. we've been talking about like the, the behind the scenes so much. Uh, cause, uh, like me and I think even like Jason, uh, definitely like Jason. I don't know. I said to think you like putting some drama and beauty in your improv, right? Like you, yeah, totally. These beautiful things and dramatic things. Um, and before the pano, back when you could do shows, uh, mm-hmm. how were those received in Montreal? Like, how how were your shows? What, like, because I know you did one. I I saw one that was the the uh, that was Kirsten Rasmussen and Dan. Yeah, they, you saw the improvised tragedy. Yes, I saw oh, one great. of those at a Montreal improv festival. Oh uh, man, that was and it was the two of them. Yeah, it was the two of them, and they were like breaking up or something. It was just Correct. them breaking yes. up. It was a story of two people breaking up, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, how do you find how do you find uh, presenting that type of material? How does it go over? Great. Does, it, does the audiences love it? Do improvisers love it? Um, I think a certain type of audience loves it and a certain type of improviser uh, also loves it. Uh, and I think it behooves a theater to cultivate an audience that is appreciative of that. Um, and I think if, cause there is a feedback loop with a theater and its audiences. So if you offer, um, a show all about horses and then, you know, it, you know, you advertise, show. yeah, show <laughs> I <horses>. love that <laughs> show. <laughs> you're going to get people who love horses to come to that show. And so then you're like, oh, this show did really well. I'm going to offer another show about horses. And so now you have two sh- shows about horses on your calendar. <laughs> And so now your horse audience is just growing like crazy. <laughs> and so everybody who loves horse, you're going to get every person who loves horses in your in your theater, and it's going to be great for your horse-based improv. And then when that but, one night, yeah, that one night when you do a goat-based you know, show, yeah, and you, the, the horse tough. audience is like, goats, I'm out of yeah, here. <laughs> I can't put a saddle on that. Forget it. <laughs> and so you train, you train and cultivate an audience, and I think it it, it is um, not just artistically healthy, but also economically healthy to kind of cultivate as many different tastes and flavors um uh to have as many arrows in your quiver as possible as an improv th- company theater whatever yeah nice. yeah that was nice and that was sort of like a dnd reference too like because you want to have like normal arrows and then some silver <laughs> that's arrows right and some, like maybe a couple flaming of arrows flaming <laughs> uh yeah that's uh, that's that's a great way to put it i like that horse <laughs> show <metaphor. laughs> And so the the for me when I do those shows, so the last one I did, and I was lucky enough last summer to do a show. So this has this genesis at the Vancouver Improv Festival. That was uh, super. Uh, you directed that one. There. 
Yeah, I directed yeah. a show. I was invited by Amy and Alistair to come down, uh, Amy Shostak, Alistair Cook, to come down and, and direct the one of the ensembles. And I put together a show called I Love Love. And it was uh, a, basically a combination of monologues and scenes all around the theme of love and what does that mean? And not, not just like romantic love, but, you know, erotic passion and um, um family love Fam- and brotherly uh, yeah, and, and loss com- of love friendship uh, camaraderie yeah all of these things and so there's so many dimensions to love and such a universal humanity to it i thought like oh that's that's a pretty safe bet for a show and and the people i got to work with were incredible um and they crushed it and the sh- it was so awesome to watch them do that show and then I brought it to Montreal and I brought invited as many people from that show as I could. And I filled it with locals and it was and everybody who was into that in that show, I think, responded super positively. Mm-hmm. And then we did a run of it in Montreal and the crowds were great and it did super well. And I was like, well, I, you know, of course it does. Of course, like people who want doesn't love love. Yeah. 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 Who doesn't love love? Yeah. If you don't like that show, you hate love. I think that's what it is. Something's wrong with you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think people do respond to 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 having more than just the jokes, you know. And as much as I love the jokes, uh, I think it's it's great to explore other parts of, of theater. But yeah, the jokes you know, are always one hundred, one thousand percent more satisfying when they come from a place of truth and and between the characters and, and so that you know a, a show about tragedy is still gonna have laughs in it like it's still gonna it's not gonna be you know super like slapstick comedy but it's gonna have laughs in it that are gonna break the pace that's gonna change things up that are gonna come from from shared moments of of truth or discovery it's it's still gonna be it's still going to have those laughs in there. And I think once the audience realize that they can come in and still get uh, a few laughs out of a night of serious improv, uh, I put air quotes around the, the serious or dramatic improv, um, then they're, they're much more willing to come back. If here, the, um, it, it's been the same. It's been, we've had to train our audience as well. And once the audience are aware of what they're in for, they'll start bringing people along. But you've got to do that. You've got to take the time to, to educate your audience. Um, uh, and, yeah, it's a, it's a really important thing to know that just because we're doing dramatic or a theater style or, or something like that, it's, it's not going to be devoid of, of, of joy and laughter. You know, it's going to be a part of it I've, still. I remember having a debate with some of my cast members. I believe that as vague as possible. Uh, I remember having some debates with certain cast members at certain points about comedy versus laughter. Because a lot of yes. the time, the 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 idea would be you'd assume if there's laughter, therefore it's a comedy. Right. It's like no, no, no. People laugh for lots of reasons. They laugh, and in improv, most of the laughter isn't because it was a joke or comedy. It's because of like a recognition of a true moment or mm-hmm. something that rings true for them, or uh, somebody screwed up and they're laughing at people screwing up, or the the story behind the story of the improvisers trying to improvise. The second show, mm-hmm. the second show, right? Like that's funny, but the story is two people breaking up and they're laughing to tears over this breakup because they because she doesn't know that he is holding the thing, and there's all these other reasons to laugh and like. Yeah, so I always try to to frame it in this way of like, you can take everything that people assume is an improv out of improv, but the one thing that's going to be there is this joyfulness that's kind of mm-hmm. underneath everything. Yeah. No matter what, you could be doing the saddest, most serious show, 
and there's still some joy there because two people are making it up mm-hmm. and that is just they're working together they're agreeing and that just brings joy to it so there's going to be those laughs but that doesn't mean it's a comedy suddenly and we have Correct. to throw yeah. out everything we're working on yeah i i, I, uh, I wholly agree with that yeah and i the one thing that makes one of the things that make my skin crawl in improv is when people say things like on the third laugh you've got to cut or you've got to go you've got to do this or like there's a rule really? i've never <laughs> there's, heard there's, that. There's, there's like a rule based on 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 Whoa. the laughs that you get like you know and, right, on laugh three edit now yeah yeah it's <laughs> this just is like, the system we have yeah, yeah it's like no oh, wow. what, what three laughs yeah i've never heard that one oh really Really, man. Oh, man. It's just like no more than three laughs. No more than three laughs in the scene. (laughs) If you've got a third laugh, you cut, you edit, you keep going, you keep it fresh. It's like, yeah, I've never heard that either. Yeah. But I think you see a lot of that with where where people kind of edit on on the first big laugh rather than than go go through. Right. And and so they find the energy of the scene. It pays off with a big laugh and they'll edit there rather than let that big laugh be the springboard for more and you, they might come back to it in subsequent scenes but uh sometimes i get so frustrated when people edit on the first big laugh and uh and i'm just like no there's there's more the story yeah. was right there yeah, yeah. yeah. just yeah. getting to it yeah well, i yeah. think there's an instinct that has to be developed for allowing it to go past the first laugh and i think it just becomes like oh it's safe now i can edit yeah. Um, and, and, and I get, I get why that might exist, right? Because it's, it's so much easier to edit on the big laugh and you, it's going to work. Like the audience is going to feel like, oh, I had a whole bunch of laughs, but yeah. there's more, it just feels like you're leaving money on the table. You're just yeah. like walking away from the, the, the higher high. If, if you yeah. see it's there and that's the key, you have to be able to see that it's there. And, and if you don't, if you don't see it, you're not, you're just like, oh, that was the, that was the high. We're done. I'm getting out. Yeah. Rather yeah, than yeah. being like, oh, we're just on our way up the mountain. Like, why are we, you know, why are we taking the gondola back down? And I guess yeah. it's if you're playing for the laughs, when you get the biggest laugh, get out. Like, that's right. Like, that makes sense yeah. if that's how you're thinking of it. I remember the first time I heard the term LPMs, which is laughs per minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was like, and I was like, I don't ever want to do a show with these people. <laughs> Where it's like you're trying to get that you're trying to you're you're grading yourself on the laughs per minute you're wow. getting wow. like that's that's a lot of that's a lot that's of not, that's, that's not a, for me I mean you know it's a lot of pressure. if that floats people mm-hmm. yeah no. laugh 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 oh yeah. no our, our LPMs are down quick take your pants <laughs> off like what are you doing what's going on I you know what I I I get how some people get a kick out of that uh, yeah and and yeah. you know more power to them it doesn't speak to me <laughs> yeah yeah me too yeah that's why that's why I wanted to bring this up because I know you you have a similar temperament in that regard yeah yeah because like I think there is room for that beauty there is room for humanity and, I, and what I try to teach in my classes is that what people are looking for you can do anything you want on stage uh, and you might even get a reaction and that reaction might be laughter, but maybe not because it was funny. You know, sometimes it's just because, you know, you cross a taboo line and people are laughing because it's like, Oh, you, you did a naughty. Um, and that's, you know, because you need that reaction and that's, that's fair because when you're improvising and you're starting, you're like, oh, I need, I need them to react or this is not working and I'm going to feel bad. And so to protect ourselves from that, we just kind of push a button as soon as we see it. And then we'll like, hope the light goes on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but what, what I, what I try to encourage is to, to find, the ways to be your to one just be yourself just like as you know you are enough is absolutely one of my favorite 
improv things that people are enough. You just have to bring yourself onto a stage because as we're improvising, there's no set, there's no costumes, there's no script, there's no props. Generally, there's just nothing. Just bring yourself onto the stage because that is truly what you can only bring to to improv, and and trust that that'll be fine. And then people, if you want people to kind of take something away or really provoke a reaction, then what people really want is to recognize themselves. They just want a, a moment of like, oh, that is a human thing. And that is, I also feel that. And, and yeah. I, I recognize that emotion. And now I'm like, okay, I'm all in and I'll take, I'll, you can take me wherever I want to go, wherever you want to, to go. And so giving the audience that opportunity to invite them into uh, a moment of humanity, I think is, um, is something that drives my, my work now. Yeah, I'm sure I've said this before on this podcast, but I'm going to say it again because it is my favorite kind of laugh is the laugh of a woman reaching over and touching her husband or partner or whatever <laughs> on the arm and kind of giggling like, oh, that's just like us. That laugh is like my favorite, like that, <laughs> where they just touch arms and they know that, oh, he left the sock on the floor. And she's like, this is like you. And, me. and that that laugh is my favorite laugh. And it's a quiet it's a laugh. It's not a big laugh. No. It doesn't bring the house down. But it's the kind of laugh that I know, like, okay, I touched that person's life and she's going to take that with her. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's and, the stuff that stays with the audience. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I want to affect, I want to, you know, have a, hopefully do something that will last beyond it. Cause improv is already so ephemeral. It's so disposable. It's so um, gossamer that it's so great to create this little touch that hopefully kind of leaves a little, um, little moat uh, in their heart. I, uh, uh, where we showed up. Cause what, what we're talking about is that thing that I love as well, which is inviting the audience to be, to, to, we draw three quarters of a circle and invite the audience to close that circle for us. Uh, I love that. And, and, and it's, uh, that's a Randy Dixon, by, by the way, that's, uh, that's, and so, but it's something it that I, that I, I always love to think about is, you know, as a younger improviser, I'd go out and I'd try to, like grab the audience and shirt front them onto the stage rather than <laughs> just leave that kind of the the leave it open and entice the audience in rather than 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 get them but uh thinking about how art form and how we want it to last afterwards i was watching a documentary here on a group of artists who had a um uh, an exhibition in the 60s here in, in Melbourne uh, and they were all uh, block colour artists. So they were all using just just big blocks of, uh, of colour in various patterns and sculpture and stuff like that. And recently the uh, National Gallery of Victoria um, uh, redid the exact exhibition. So they had five photos to go off. They recontacted all of the artists, got the works back again. Some some of the artists had to reproduce the works and, and get them up. And so it was a documentary about that. And at the end, um, they were kind of showing uh, the success of, of the uh, exhibition. And and I, I don't know which artist it was that said this, but it, it reached out and it grabbed me. And I, I wanted to th talk about how does this happen in improv because one of the voiceovers as they were kind of all signing off was this. The only proof of an afterlife is art, um, is one, one of the artists said. The only proof of an afterlife is art. And here we are doing an art form that is completely ephemeral, that doesn't hang around. You can't hang on the wall and see. Um, how, how does that relate to us as improvisers as the <laughs> artist uh you know you can't you can't uh, i mean improvisers write books on improv sure but right. in terms of seeing the the 
the that moment, the moment, and and the work itself, the art that we create, uh, it, it, that has to live with the person, um, live within the audience, um, and and they have to take that away. And sure, they might not tell their grandfather, or or you know, uh, it might not live for generations like a piece of art uh, right. that hangs on the wall does. Um, but we've got to still, there's still that tale there that our audience walks away with that, that, that lives with other people. So if to say I did a show and uh, the audience were unbeknownst to them, uh, I died the next day would still be like, there's the evidence of us in afterlife is them going, Oh, that mm. show where that guy did this or, um, or that, that truth that, that might um, hit them at, at kind of 2am when they're sitting around going, ah, oh, yeah, that's, that's what that was about. Um, is it, it's a satisfying thing as an artist to try to strive for, for that, I think. But how do we do that with improv? <laughs> is it just what the audience take away? Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's it's trying to, uh, and uh, you know, the analogy between improv and sport has been you uh -huh. know, well examined, and I think because it's quite valid, <clears throat> I, I think the idea that um, part of the reason why improv doesn't work great. Uh, recorded is because it's that shared moment that we're all discovering it audience and performers alike in that moment and it lives and breathes and dies and is gone and we all experienced it we all got to witness it and live it together and that shared moment is really magical and really delicate mm -hmm. and to to hopefully have it leave an imprint leave little footprints on someone's psyche and yeah. memory as as we do this um ridiculously um feather feather light uh art form yeah it's it's yeah if we're if you're looking to do something permanent and lasting i like, yeah, go maybe you know build a concrete yeah write statue. a novel or, do something uh, else yeah, yeah. <laughs> go right, do but, something else huh you want to make it permanent <laughs> go fucking pour cement yeah uh yeah no i i I, the the uh, the fact that it doesn't live forever is what makes me love improv so much. Yeah, yeah. It's just that moment like this. Uh, people do use the word disposable uh, to talk about improv quite often, or like you, you used it earlier. Or like, yeah, it's just just it's ephemeral; it doesn't exist. And I, to me, I'm, I always think of it as rare, unique. It's a unique thing. Absolutely, it only exists once. That yeah. increases its value, not decreases it. And a I lot of people so approach it like that decreases its value, that it's only that one time, and you can't make it last forever but that's what makes it matter so much for me uh and maybe that's why i don't believe in an afterlife um, <laughs> and you can tell that i live for the moment and not for the afterward and that's why yeah. every show i'm like no this is it this right. is the only time we get to experience this and moment. it's beautiful and we're doing it together and it's during a scene where Vinny has his pants off and yeah. i'm a horse come yeah. on this is amazing <laughs> finally this is the only time uh this is what we're doing with this moment like that's what's so beautiful about it but also i mean you know what is the value of a sunset you know like yeah you know, it is, it is 615. Yeah, 615. <laughs> Just go watch it on YouTube and HD. <laughs> but it is, it is, it's the people who experience that sunset yeah. who, you know, get to yeah. enjoy the beauty of it. And if, if you like sunsets, then you're, you're doing great. And if, yeah. you're, if you're like, oh, the sunset is boring, I'm going to come back. You know, I want to see another one tomorrow. It's going to do better. It's always yeah. interesting to me when I hear about people practicing other f art forms, talk about how their art represents them. So, so something like fashion um 
uh, uh, and uh, uh, like I, I was watching one of those uh, TV shows where you know it's like Taylor Made or whatever it is making the cut or one of those competition shows where you don't have to you don't have to explain yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and they uh, they one of their contestants said uh, that someone once told them that that fashion is your inside on the outside your your feelings on the outside uh, and and I'm always interested in in ways that that people who practice in other art forms think about their their form because mm-hmm. I know that we value our form in a really unique way from the inside out and people who who may practice art like like this person was talking about art uh, in representing you in the afterlife um, how how they see and contextualize. Uh, art as as well so uh, if they stop to take a look at our art form would that would that recontextualize the way they see their own work anyway this is just philosophical stuff that i've been thinking about this week i love it no i love it i I I i dip into lots of different art forms and i find different beauties in them like doing magic as an art form is like something yeah i find like this idea of, of the honest liar of the magician, the only person who's lying to you by telling the truth or telling the truth through lies is what magicians do, right? Like that's, it's, it's an incredible art form. When you look at it from that depth, from the outside, it's just some asshole in a hat doing some tricks. <laughs> you can't find, he's like, oh, you can't find it. Oh, I know where your card is. Um, but on the inside, it's, there's a lot of beauty to be found uh within it and same with yeah same with spoken word poetry and, and yeah i guess that's true music of, and stuff like that. of any art form really i mean any craft performed yeah. with love is going to be beautiful to me yeah that's, i love thinking about that sort of thing like what is it that makes this art form beautiful that's and something all that, of them are not as beautiful as improv just to point out. <laughs> that's something <laughs> I, mean, I flip I, backwards and forwards between <laughs> quite often is the word art and craft in in regards specifically to improv sure. um Ooh, yeah yeah, I, I, yeah I, I think it's both. I think it, it's both. And yeah, some days see. I'm just practicing my craft, and some days, hopefully, I'm yeah, I'm I aim I aim for art and settle for comedy. But sometimes I'll settle for craft too. Yeah, well, yeah. There's that. Yeah, that is interesting to that distinction in improv because like it's easy to see that distinction in fashion between like when sure. is it art. And when is it just like this is a really nicely made T-shirt? Yeah, like everything the seams are good. It fits. It's not art, but it's definitely great craftsmanship. Like you can see that in in fashion, improv. Where yeah, where do you see it? Where is it in improv? Vinny? The art and craft of improv. Yeah, where's the distinction? When do you know if you're making art or doing craft? Oh, wow, uh, I know, right? Feel, I think, That's yeah, why I think, I'm throwing it to you because I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I need a moment to think. Uh, I've been Jason, thinking about this. <laughs> I've been thinking about it for three years now. I'm like, I don't know where the line is. And sometimes when I'm teaching, I t- explicitly talk about it as a craft, and and then uh, other times I I talk about it as an art form. And I'm like, well, how, how do I get to dis- discriminate which is what and and when? Like, I don't know where that 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 line is particularly. And I don't think you can. I mean, art is already so subjective and defining it for someone else feels like a fool's game. Yeah. And so I think it's really a personal decision to be like, and I don't think you can go into it if you're doing improv the way I understand it. I don't think you can go into it being like, all right, today I'm doing art. And it's just, I'm going to do it. Yeah. That's, 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 a, that's a big ask yeah, of I, oneself. I think, cause I think craft is always there. Like you can't take the craft yeah. out of art. Like you can't be a painter who's not painting properly. Like, yeah. 
making nice like using brushes i guess you could and use your hand but there's still but then you're, but there's a craft too. yeah you're making and a you, conscious choice right you need to understand why you're not using a brush and why you're using this kind of paint and like right. all that sort of stuff so like there's always craft involved and then art is like sort of that extra layer on top of it and that is yeah, i think you're right it's up to everyone to decide when it becomes art to them yeah uh, yeah yeah, it's art when you feel like it was art. Yeah, if somebody is is like naked or crying for no reason, then it's art, right? But right, that's the, the that's, <laughs> that's the textbook. Does it become does it become art when the audience takes something away from it? But what is the audience like? Each individual in the yeah. audience may or may not take yeah. something from whatever you put out in front of them. Yes, yeah. maybe half the crowd loves it, and half the crowd thinks you're, you know, some hack. Who and I just came to see horse improv. Yeah, uh, so it's it's a real challenge to reach those people. And if they laugh, is that enough? They, they laughed at it, therefore it's now art. Or yeah, so the, like... you can't. I find it hard to say like the audience took you know saw art today it's like well maybe this you know that woman who touched her husband's arm and okay maybe they were touched today maybe they yeah, I, think yeah. it's, I think it is fair to say something that it has to do something with what other people take from it like if if there's nobody like if a tree falls in the forest right. <laughs> um but like it, it, it is something about giving or expressing something that other people are interpreting and their interpretation is is where it starts becoming art there's something about the other person in there for sure and, and i think art, for me art starts with is a form of communication it's a way of communicating mm -hmm. i'm creating there's a transmitter and a receiver and then there's the message that goes between them yeah. uh, and the transmitter may emit something the receiver may receive something different from what was transmit uh but, but art still is, is a communication so there has to be a I, I i don't know can you do art on your own with no audience i mean yeah like the sound of one hand clapping you can. Yeah. you totally can but it's like it, then then it's just your interpretation and you're making art. And then you're both transmitter and receiver. But yeah. I mean, you've you've done it before, I'm sure, where you've written something and then read it the next day and then realized it means something different now the next sure. day when you're in. Like there's always you're interpreting your own work. Like doing yeah. solo improv, I surprise myself, mm -hmm. which it seems impossible. But you do. You surprise yourself and you go, yeah. oh, 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 I didn't mean to do that. Uh, <laughs> And now you're doing it. And so like you can, you're still an audience member of your own art, but yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, think, a big I, question. I would say like, <laughs> it is a great question. That's a great, I like the idea of thinking about it, but I, you know, at first I'd say like the craft of it is the technique and the yeah. skills that you yeah. apply and that you bring to what you're doing yeah. in creating the message. And then the art is just the broadcast of what you've done and then mm. hopefully the reception of it. And then, and, I mean, and maybe, maybe you can say something about like you going in with an intention to express something starts to, is what takes it from just craft. Cause like I can look at an ink spot and take an interpretation of it and interpret it as art, even though the intention of it wasn't art. And so like my interpretation makes it art, even though the intention wasn't, so it also requires that intention of like, I'm going into this to tell a story to, you know, hopefully try and change. People. But if, the, if, if the receiver As saw a, art in the implot, then it, then it becomes art. Who are you to then say it becomes art. No, no, for sure. So there is the interpretation from someone else's perspective. Yeah, but, but you don't need when, intention from the transmitter. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying when, when the improviser gets on stage with their intention to make art, then it starts to become art, even if there's no audience watching, because I'm now intending it and I'm interpreting it myself. But wait, so As if I go on stage, so if I <laughs> yeah. just go on stage and I do craft and someone takes art out of it, it's like it's moved by what I've done, even though I had. Oh, now it's art. Now it's definitely art. It's still right. art. It's still art. Okay. It's so so the art involves someone either interpreting it or you intending it. 
Because okay, it's it. also the fact that you go out to intend to make this really beautiful piece of art and other people look at it and go, ah, oh, it's just a stupid ink blot. But it's still art, even sure. though that they didn't interpret it as art, right? right? Because you intended it to be art. So there is Got like it. there's a two-way, like I'm still transmitting art, even though there's nobody receiving. And same with this receiver is randomly picking up signals and turning it into art, right? So so you don't need both, is what I'm saying, but you need one. I feel like I need to read more books. I think I need, this is what I'm learning from this conversation. You need one. You need I at least need, one. You need I a need receiver need or, an, or a sender. Yeah. But you don't need both, but you no. don't need either end. It's not yeah, like it has right. to have a receiver. It just has to have one of those. Yeah, art. Done. Solved. Done. Solved. Solved. It's a, it's a two-headed horse. It's a two-headed horse. So I hope horse. you can just point people to this podcast, Jason, whenever you yeah. get this question. What is art? <laughs> what is art? No, yeah. art is oh, well, there's a podcast on that. <laughs> it is about one person expressing themselves and someone else interpreting it. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks for walking that path with me because when I heard that quote, I was like, oh, that'd be interesting to, to talk about. Absolutely. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I think the real answer, though, is that there is no afterlife and we're all going to die alone. <laughs> I think that's really, I think that's really what art is. That's, that's art. Coming to grips with that fact. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think uh, this is a pretty good place to end. <laughs> Just because I can't go on anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I will go on yeah. in the words of Samuel Beckett. Uh, but we do have one last question we'd like to end with, Vinny. Sure. Uh, so I'm going to throw it at you. Uh, Jason, you want to throw it at him? You throw no, it? you do it. All right. Uh, if, you, uh, if you could snap your fingers and everyone in the entire world in a moment had one skill that improvisers have that you think is important that would make the world a better place if everyone else also had this skill. That, that if the whole world had this ability to make horse shows, that do like what is the thing that improvisers can do that would make the world better? I gotta pick one. <laughs> well, you, I mean, you can try and cram a few into one answer, just uh, make, it, make it sound like one. <laughs> uh, uh, leaving space for listening, I guess, uh, uh, instead of being in a rush to, to fill space. I think leaving space for silence, leaving space for things to exist, leaving space for room to process things, and leaving space just for listening, just for being attentive to what's going on around you. I think, I think a lot of times we're we're inundated, both externally by a ton of information and stuff happening, and we cram so much. Everything is so expedient and efficient, and it feels like. If you're not maximizing that, you're losing the game. And then listening and being attentive and, and just being not uh, inundated internally with our own stuff that's going on in our own head and our own expectations and our own goals and our own motivations that are kind of clouding what is happening around us. So just leaving space to listen to the world and ourselves and other people. I think, yeah. I think, and it's something I have a hard time practicing myself, but I, that's the goal. Hey, it would make things better though. I think. Yeah. hundred percent. I had to fight the urge to interrupt you for a gag then, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Oh, yes. Everyone should always leave space. <laughs> everyone should leave space. I agree. Everyone should leave space for sure. <laughs> yeah, leave space. Will you leave space now? <laughs> yeah, I'll leave space. Yeah. Okay, good. Right, you want space. some space? You want some space? You want some extra space? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Thanks so much for joining us today, Vinny. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. Thank you, Jason. Hey, merci beaucoup, amazing. mon ami. Merci beaucoup. Dernier, mon ami.